Hey, lovely listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Knickerbox Glory. Today, I'm joined by the co-founders of Hanks, Sarah and Farah. Hi, guys. Hello. I'm also joined by Kate Moyle, and Kate is a psychosexual and relationship therapist. How are you today, my love? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Can you tell us and listeners a bit about what being a psychosexual and relationship therapist entails before we get into all the good stuff? Yeah, (laughs) all the good stuff. Yeah, so basically, I am a talking therapist for people with sexual and relationship difficulties, which means that it basically provides a safe space for working through any challenges, anxieties that are going on around sex and relationships because we don't really have any other safe spaces to do that. Mm. It sounds like a really interesting job, actually. I genuinely believe I have the best job in the world. I really do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very um, pleased with myself to be able to say that. Um, But it is incredibly rewarding as well because actually someone might be having a problem with sex and you and them might be the only people that know that but everyone else around them just assumes that sex is fine because that's what we tend to do and actually if you can make a massive difference kind of backstage if that makes sense it can actually change someone's life completely yeah it sounds really fulfilling Mm, yeah it is amazing Uh, So today we're going to be discussing the relationship between psychology and sex and how mindfulness can enhance your sex life. Um, Mental health is having a much needed revival at the moment, like everyone's talking about it a lot more and it's very much trending and I'm hoping that actually it doesn't just trend and actually it's something that is a permanent state in our lives Mm. and it's something that everyone wants to openly talk about for for the rest of their you know time on this earth relationships etc but has this um sort of surge of interest in mental health changed your day to day in any way have you received more clients or has it like influenced anything uh yeah i mean i would say oh, i'm busier than i've ever been but i think that we've massively taken the sting out of the tail of the idea of going to therapy. So therapy used to be this completely taboo, only for people who had hit rock bottom and everything was so bad, last you know resort. And now younger people particularly use it almost preventatively, which is so much healthier. Mm, I actually have a couple of friends who see a therapist like bi-weekly, you know, mm, just every two mm. weeks, like, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm just going to see my therapist, just talk about what's going on in my life. And that's just so healthy to me and it really appeals because I think, yeah, I've got loads of shit going on that I want to talk to someone about mm. who's not in my day-to-day life. And I think it's so good that people are talking more openly about it, right? Because there is so much that goes on, there's so much chaos. And often you d- if people feel like uh, they don't want to burden their friends with talking yeah. about these things, so to kind of have a therapist as an outlet, yeah, I think is, I, is really healthy. Yeah, and I think it also like your friends. It's difficult, like your friends or your family. Like you have a different relationship, so having someone mm. like you say, Emma, like out of the day to day, who can just kind of have an external view and you talk differently, um, is super helpful and, and healthy. And the thing is, your friends and your family, they can all offer help and they offer advice but it's based on their own experiences so it's like when that happened to me this is what I did whereas therapy Mm. is much more neutral and helping you to help yourself rather than kind of offering advice based on the experiences of that person I feel like therapy should be offered on class pass like it's just one of those (laughs) things you take care of your fitness your body why not take care of your mind and I think more and more people should be having sessions with therapists like it shouldn't be a taboo thing and it shouldn't you you don't have to hit rock bottom it should be part of your well-being 
Yeah, and I think it'd be really nice if companies started offering, like, you know, therapy sessions as part of your perks, you know? Like, yeah. we have a counsellor who works for our company and once a month, you know, you, you yeah. have a session yeah. that's there for you to use and if you want to use more, yeah. we'll subsidise that. For example, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you have gym memberships, exactly. like you were saying, yeah. why not have a mental health yeah. um, space as well? Yeah. yeah, and it's like we always say, you know, we, we think about wellness and well-being kind of physically, you know, exercise, diet, but not actually mental health and sexual health, they're two kind of taboo mm. topics that tend to take a back seat in terms of well-being, but it's all part of your overall wellness. Yeah, and we know that, you know, from neuroscience that the body-mind connection is a thing. It's proven. Absolutely. We know yeah. that, you know, you know that with a medical background. Like, yeah. we we can see the impact of the mind on the body every yeah, day. Yeah. And I think stress is one of the biggest the biggest things I personally have experienced, like wreaking havoc on my skin, my sleep patterns, mm-hmm. like my relationships. And mm-hmm. it's funny because you don't really talk about it as when you're younger about, you know, you have to look out for your mental well-being. Mm-hmm. And if you're really stressed, you know, this is what you should do. These are your outlets. These are like exercises yeah, you can definitely. do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is great that we're having these conversations and, you know, having those two taboo topics, so sexual health and mental health, how do the two, like, surface level intertwine? How does mental health impact our sex lives? In every every way. Um, so the thing that I work with with people is that sexuality, so what I mean by that is the role that sex plays in our lives, how sex kind of fits in our lives, is in the context of us. So it is in the context of everything that happens every day and it's not this kind of separate entity which we have historically kind of treated it as so we can completely understand that when we are really stressed or really preoccupied or you know really tired that our sex drive might fluctuate as well sexual well-being um is should be positioned and is positioned now we're getting there alongside all other aspects of well-being and health um I'm working with Boots, which Hank's are now in store. Um, And a part of that is that Boots are positioning sexual well-being alongside other aspects of well-being. And that's exactly how it should be. Um, And we really need to start to recognise that. Definitely. Yeah. And along the lines of, like, you know, mental health and how we are, how much does our self-esteem and confidence affect our sexual wellness? Because I think there's a lot of, you know, on the on the female side or the women's side there's a lot of you know if you feel a lot of pressure to look a certain way or perform a certain way and I think it also exists on the on for the guy's side as well Mm -hmm, massively and the thing that I would say is we should there's a lot of conversations about female body confidence and stuff but men are as affected um a lot of the young men that I work with particularly like younger men in their kind of 20s and 30s suffer huge amounts of performance anxiety when it's completely debilitating and that kind of performance anxiety can completely interrupt normal sexual functioning um the thing about body confidence is it's actually not about how you look it's about how you feel it is an internal process rather than external one obviously we can change how we feel about ourselves but essentially it's how we feel not how we look and that does play a big part in sex yeah and i think that's really important because you might be the most confident person in and out of the bedroom but if you've had a really crap day or you have a lot on your plate that's going to be at the forefront of your mind so when you're getting down to business <laughs> you're not really at your best yeah. like or you're not feel, you might not feel like you want to and I think it's so important obviously confidence and mental health they go hand in hand right mm-hmm. but I guess more and more people have chaotic busy lives and it's like how can we ensure that that's you know that we 
we can manage that and it not affect our sex lives. Mm. Um, yeah. Do you have any sort of like, I know therapy is a big one, that's something that would really help people to sort through what's going on up there, but do you have any sort of like tips or exercise or something that people can do when they're by themselves? Yeah. Uh, get, I mean, the thing that I talk to people about is getting to know your own body first. So that is the number one, you know, we're not taught to get to know our bodies, we're not taught to kind of explore what we like, but we cannot educate a partner or inform a partner what we like if we don't know ourselves and they are not telepathic so mm. the, the big thing <laughs> that we have assume is that we are expected to be an expert about sex and our partners expect that they are expected to be an expert and it's just crazy like there's nothing else in life that we are a pro or an expert in without mm. learning without trial mm. and error mm. without practice Absolutely. without questions yeah. without teaching and why would sex be any different to anything like that? And yeah. But we have this Hollywood, you know, movie yeah. image. But of, it just comes together and it yeah. just happens. And then they come together, so it comes <laughs> together and they come together and we all know that that is just really, really the reality. When, yeah, exactly. When you put it like that, it's really funny. When you're in meetings, when you talk to people, when you have conversations, it's two-way and people talk. Why is sex the only thing that people really don't talk? Yeah. It's the action mm. that it just happens, but... We don't really talk to each other about it no. or, or what people want or feel. And you're right, people aren't telepathic. So It's funny you mentioned that, actually, because um, he, my boyfriend and I, we actually do this really weird thing, which I've never actually <laughs> said out loud before. But, like, <laughs> every six months we have, like, a six-month review. Oh, and so it's, good. So and it's, like, well, I'll just say to him, I, I jokingly started it, like, at the beginning, and I was like, you know, it's been six months since I have a review, and now we always do it because it's, like, sometimes you don't feel like you have a form to say something. Yeah. And I'll just be like, well, just anything you want to say, like, something that's, like, annoying us or something we're really enjoying or, like, you know, sex, we talk about that as well. Yeah. Like, last time I was like, babe, you've got to stop chewing gum with your mouth open. It's me fucking insane <laughs> but that was like the only you know do you know what I mean it's just yeah. like a safe space and sex Talking, is yeah. yeah sex is one of the big things we talk about Um, you know he's like you know I don't actually like that anymore I used to like that beginning when we started having sex but yeah. now I don't and mm. that I think is really important because you can change your preferences can yeah. change maybe you used to like something and now you yeah. don't and being able to say I don't like that anymore it's not a personal thing it's for them it's actually for you it's yeah, like exactly. I'm just you know very matter of fact don't like this can we not mm. do that you know? and how are you supposed to know if he hadn't have said or if you hadn't have said like that's the whole yeah, point exactly. it's a thing and if you're in a relationship you are like invested in each other you want to be you know happy and, and fulfilled in all these aspects so yeah that's that's cute I like <laughs> Yeah. It's, I think it's really good. I wish I wish couples did that. Um, and I think, you know, you just hit such a big point there, which is things change. We change all the time. You know, I used to like mushrooms. No, I don't. Like, <laughs> I used to like that position. No, I don't. Yeah. You know, I had a bad experience with that and I never want to have that again. Like, yeah. Or, you know, anything like our clothing sense, our taste, the holidays we go on, the shoes we like to wear, like everything in life we have the ability to change our preference and develop things and change things. Why not with sex? But we are just expected to know and be known and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no wonder then everyone has these problems around sex because if that's the attitude we have, yeah. then people are going to get stuck. I'm just really intrigued to know what your take is on how mindfulness and meditation can help with sex and help you know, being present. One of the biggest inhibitors of sex is distraction. And we completely understand that. So we know that when people are kind of in a sexual situation, if they are completely in their heads and preoccupied with their thoughts and what's going on, what they are not fully experiencing is the physical sensations in their body. So your brain cannot be simultaneously anxious 
and preoccupied with sex, for example. So you are going to prioritize one, and what you're going to prioritize is those anxious thoughts or that kind of worry, because anxiety has a function in keeping you alive. It is incredibly important. Now, what we do know is that obviously it can get out of control or it can become kind of slightly dysfunctional for some people or override things too much or kind of oversensitive. Um, we become kind of oversensitive to things and we know that people struggle with anxiety massively. So what we have to do is to attempt to kind of tune out everything that's going on around us and focus on the physical sensations that we are experiencing in our bodies. So a technique that we have been kind of talking about in psychosexual therapy for a really long time is something called sensate focus, which is where you almost pair, so um, you kind of pair sex back to touch-based exercises kind of with your clothes on and then taking some clothes off and then just an underwear and then take your underwear off and then it kind of moves into the mutual masturbation and basically you're kind of moving towards penetrative sex but at each stage you are re-establishing safe contact and enjoying touch and fully focusing on the sensations and the pleasure and what that helps you to do is to really hone in on that and so often particularly with the environment that we're in at the moment where we see these kind of perfect images of sex and bodies and we don't really know how to switch off and we are really distracted. Those techniques are, re- are more important than ever. It's about that kind of being in the moment as well, isn't it? And and it's it's so true because we, we just live such fast lives and people don't you know, stop to think, actually, what do we like? And put time aside. And I, I guess that must be another thing is with your clients is people not say not, not prioritising, mm. you know. Yeah, and I guess that helps you get in the mood, right, and start to forget other things. But at the same time, everyone's, I feel like a lot of people focus on the end goal, which yeah. tends to be penetrative sex or getting an orgasm, mm. and people forget all these other bits that, yeah. and the steps that it takes. So I think, I feel like you hypnotise us all then, because we're all like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did feel like I was in my own session, I was like, mm, Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the goal orientated part is massive you know the mm. um kind of focus because if you think about life at the moment how often do you say to someone um what's kind of going on they're like I'm so busy and it's like we're all so obsessed with being so busy and if so we're true. so busy then we must be being so productive and so successful and and actually how are we meant to even fit sex into a schedule when we are that busy so it sounds really boring but actually I talk to people about scheduling sex a lot now what we're saying is we're not saying schedule the sex and you're going to have it in the missionary position for exactly 13 minutes (laughs) what we're saying is it's this is the time you're putting the time in your diaries like you would a work meeting like you would a gym class sorry for how we share our diaries (laughs) (laughs) I'm now going to know the sex routine (laughs) (laughs) sorry we can't meet then make it a private appointment (laughs) I like that one Um, (laughs) and you Emma I get visibility on your one as well yeah and so what we're saying is, you know, that time is to be put aside to invest in your relationship. Now, the one thing that successful couples do with the sex lives time and time again is actually prioritise it. You know, it is putting aside the time and the effort, even if it's just sitting and talking with no technology, no interruptions. That is enough for you to establish that connection. It doesn't have to be penetrative sex. Again, yeah. you know, our definition of sex 
is not one which is purely penetrative or about intercourse because A, that excludes an entire group of people that can't have that kind of sex and also it excludes a group of people that don't want to and there is nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. So it is just about, again, prioritising it, nurturing your relationship. We call our mums, we check in with our sisters and our brothers, we arrange to go out with our friends, we invest in our work colleagues and then we get home and we're like, oh, actually, sorry, I just don't even want to talk to you, just see it tomorrow morning and you forget that actually you really need to invest in the relationship that's in front of you because it's almost ironically the one that's easiest to forget because mm. they're there all the exactly and, yeah. Yeah. yeah trust is really important when you're having sexual relations with someone and communication is a big part of trust you know you have to communicate to get to that point where you trust one another and how can you strengthen trust as a couple like are there special tips you have? I feel like you're the all-knowing guru. (laughs) No, I really am not. Um, I, oh, it's such a big question because our definitions of trust are also going to be really based in kind of how we grew up learning what that felt like. So those childhood kind of relationships as well. And without kind of pushing the whole thing to kind of back before we had any control of it, that's where we're going to have first established if we can trust people, how we can trust people, Um, what that might look like, what it feels like if our trust is broken, does that make us more cautious? In a couple, what we talk about is kind of intimacy. And the best way that someone once explained the idea of intimacy to me was they broke it down to like into me see. So the idea being that you kind of break down those barriers and you are authentic and genuine with each other. And what that involves is being vulnerable because you say, this is me, the authentic me, the version of me that is even the bits that I don't like about myself and I'm going to show them to you and you can then potentially reject me for that. So that can feel like a risk and the best way I also know how to describe that is, um, you know, on Love Island, (laughs) they always say, like, about putting all their eggs in one basket. Like, we genuinely do that when we go into a relationship Mm. and what we're saying is, okay, I'm all in now, I'm all in and that means you can hurt me because I have given myself to you and you can actually turn around at any point and be like, "Mm, no thanks. But it is the way that we actually make headway in relationships that we build trust because that person can manage us, you know, with our good bits and our bad bits and we do the same for them. And so that kind of working together, allowing each other to be in that space does help to establish trust and the kind of deeper and, you know, more kind of connected and established and experience you get together with that the the more trust tends to build now yeah yeah. and I guess that's really hard because you what if you feel like you're putting all your eggs in one basket (laughs) but the other person isn't isn't. and I guess a bit of faith then as well faith that you they will do the same Uh, and that you can trust them um getting obviously you're going to get hurt and that's awful but at the same time if they're not interested then you need to stop and leave it otherwise you're not going to go forward with it Ooh, see, I disagree with that. I think giving a, giving away your trust, your time, your effort is is a big thing for me personally. But then you're never going to move forward in a relationship. 100%. I agree, but it's so difficult. Yeah. It's so difficult to, you know, you sit across from someone, especially if you've been, I think if you've been hurt before, which most 
people have when they're going into like mature serious relationships mm. you you know what that hurt feels like and it's fucking shit mm, like yeah. it's mm. awful and you you remember how raw it was and how vulnerable you felt after it happened and you I don't know about you guys but like mm. I swore to myself I was like I will never ever ever let someone and it makes like that again. you build like another massive thick yes. layer yeah you, you want to protect yourself to get through another yeah. layer before I before I show my chest like I wish someone would invent a thermometer Fuck so that sake. you can test and see how much trust that person <laughs> is how, how many eggs they're putting in this collective basket or you could just ask them babe I know, but you never really know whether they're telling the truth. You can tell I have trust problems. <laughs> it is it is tough. I think the thing is, is people might do it at different speeds. So yes. you might be someone that jumps straight in and you're like, right, okay, I'm going to throw myself in and put my eggs in your basket yeah. and be kind of expose myself. But that person might take a bit longer to catch up with you. You don't mm. know what their background is, what even their last relationship was. We're all a product of our experiences. And, you know, we might be the most kind of secure and solid and sure of ourselves person. And then we have our hearts broken by someone and then we become really guarded and really yeah. insecure mm. and really worried about what that person might do to us. And we kind of have to hold back then. But it is a balance of, you know, taking the risk and being risk averse I suppose yeah I think yeah I think it's managing that risk and calculating it I feel like when I probably if we were comparing me to chocolate bars I probably started as a plain dairy milk and now a, a, a boost or a topic or a snickers I've got so many bloody layers of different <laughs> <boost>. materials <laughs> so, is it a boost oh even a picnic <laughs> or, or so you're so much more interesting now yeah, I know. I know. Only, really like only for people who like nuts though <laughs> <laughs> Out. <laughs> do you think it's possible to really internalise some of that hurt so much to a point that you don't even realise when you're like self-destructing in inverted commas in a relationship or whether you're doing things to like remove yourself from a situation yeah I really do and we um, have a phrase which is called like self-sabotage so the idea being that actually everything is that everything might be kind of going well and okay but actually what, what we don't trust is that it's going to continue to be that way so we're like right you know what it's not a conscious decision but it's I'm going to protect myself because if I go any further and I get further into this relationship then I'm really going to get hurt so what mm. I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of make something happen now or I'm going to put the barriers up now or I'm going to pull away now or I'm going to just end this because actually I'm scared of it potentially going yeah. further and me getting more hurt and we do it all the time we are incredibly protective of ourselves it's instinctual it's mm. you know, survival in mm. some kind of way and but we have to be then aware that we're doing it if it continues to hold us back or actually if what we're doing is stopping ourselves you know we we need to expand our comfort zones we need to take risks sometimes yeah, yeah and I think that's that is the the kind of balance and I totally appreciate that obviously once you've been hurt you don't want to then let yourself go through that again. So it's that whole barrier. But at the same time, if you don't let yourself go through that again, you couldn't experience. You might not be able to experience something that's going to be wonderful. Mm. Mm. It's all very directed at me. <laughs> <laughs> so take risks, guys. Take risks. Take calculated risks, though, guys. Have a. Kate's <laughs> yeah, looking at you like no. <laughs> You're not Mara's like I have a strategy for everything. <laughs> Risk analysis. The whole shebang. I, I have to think of it like a portfolio, like. Bitch being dating. <laughs> <laughs> Got a real Life. mixture of stocks, eh? Some cash cows. <laughs> Put the money into me, haven't you? I know. <laughs> <laughs> like marriage. Well, it kind of is a portfolio, isn't it? 
It is. And then it, I suppose if you're making the same bad investment time and time yes. again, you need to work out exactly. what you're doing. Exactly. And yeah. you, you need to diversify your portfolio with <laughs> <laughs> some real winners. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I think when you put it like that, the thing is, I think, so if we notice that we're getting into the same relationships or same patterns time and time again, we do have to think, okay, what is going on here? Because it's not that I'm... There is something that I'm yeah. choosing in these people, mm. which means that I'm repeating the same mistakes. Yeah. It's a bit like when people go for the bad boy and they literally go and get, you know, hurt time and time again and it's a, someone that just treats them awfully and they choose this person because mm. it... Mm. I don't get that. Like, Not. you're asking for it. Like, first time, like, you learn. Second time, fair enough. Third time, you deserve it, mate. Like, don't go there again. Like, as in, mm. you don't get hurt. Sorry. <laughs> but I think... One session. <laughs> I told you once. Twice, okay. <laughs> it's true, though. I think people find comfort in it, though. Like, I have a good... A comfort good, in a good slap of a relationship. Well, a good friend of mine had serious issues with her dad growing up. Like, yeah. right. you know, and she would always and she wasn't actually doing it consciously she would subconsciously seek out these guys who she knew weren't emotionally available who she knew weren't going to give her what she wanted so that it would end and she would be left with this hurt that reminded her of the relationship she had with her dad because that's what her relationship with guys had always been yeah definitely she has since broken it she's in a really good relationship now which is amazing (laughs) but I've seen it and they don't do it on purpose it's just I don't know if I'm right but it's hardwired and they Mm. have to consciously try and break away from it and try and seek out something that's actually going to make them genuinely happy but it's so difficult yeah. yeah and it's it's like it's like you were saying Kate you know we're a product of our experiences and actually sometimes you don't know how to get out of this cycle mm. or, or however it is and yeah interesting but but we know how to handle feelings that we've had yeah. before yeah. so we can kind of and you know we've got to think our earliest relationships which are often the ones we kind of experience when we're children they offer some kind of blueprint for adult relationships and so it's not a deliberate conscious choice mm. but sometimes we have to think or work out or be aware of what we're doing, the role we're having in this. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you have to be reflective on your own kind of personality and you've got to have a self review. Yeah. Six months self review. You have a personal one as yeah. well. Like sit down, like write out. Yes. Sit God. down with yourself. <laughs> Ali is going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> like babe, go and sit in that room. I'm gonna sit in this room. <laughs> write down your thoughts. That's great. Yeah. So I think We'll move on to our Knickerbox raffle now. We've covered yeah. some really insightful topics. We could just ask you questions all day. Yeah, but we'll yeah. <laughs> yeah. take some of these offline, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll take you for a drink and put you yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, inside this box, we've got some questions about life, love, and liberty. Um, pick out two or three. You feel free to veto any that you don't want to answer. because <laughs> We do is, that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and this is the 21st century, so, you know, use your rights. <laughs> Freedom of speech. <laughs> Oh, there she goes. What does freedom mean to you? <laughs> the um, deep, aren't they? Yeah, it's quite deep. Yeah. <laughs> I think freedom means to me um, making informed choices. And I know that sounds weird because you think kind of informed and freedom are the opposite of each other. But I think so much of also what I do in my job is about helping people to be informed and then they have the freedom to go and do whatever they want to do with that. And for me, I think that probably fits quite well with me personally as well. Yeah. And it's like the whole knowledge is power thing as well. The more you put words out of your mouth, that's exactly what it is. You two are the same person, so I'm not surprised. (laughs) Way too much time together. What's the best thing about being a woman in 2019? Mm. Oh, 
and it's so hard. Opportunity, nice. yeah. massively. Um, no, I for my job anyway. I massively love what I do, but you know, it's a fairly new. I mean, sex therapy really, kind of sex research really, kind of kicked off big time in the sixties, and so it's all so new and so mm-hmm. exciting. And the fact that um, there are opportunities to kind of balance things. So I am a mum and I work, and that for me is huge. The ability to be able to do both. Like I'm not saying I get the balance right all the time. I'm not saying I'm, you know, mum of the year or therapist of the year regularly, <laughs> and definitely not both at the same time. But the fact is that it is even remotely possible. Yeah. It's huge mm. for me. Um, and future generations of women, I think, will have it even more differently. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you're a badass mum to ask. <laughs> badass CEO mum. <laughs> CEO myself. <laughs> it's enough. Am I... You done? To one, one, one more? more? Okay, fine. Oh, there's some condoms in there. Nice. There? Always. I always just have condoms lying around places, <laughs> honestly. That's my girl. <laughs> so my mum the other day, and I just had them out on the table. She was like, we're in a restaurant. Can you put condoms back in your bag? I was like, I'm sorry, mum. Okay. <laughs> should, should we um, had the Boots Influencer Breakfast, and we had sex toys and condoms, nice. like Chinese condoms, all over the table. And um, we were at Sketch, <laughs> and oh, it's nice. really cool, like really vibrant. And um, at the end, the kind of maitre d' like came and had a chat with me, and he was... Um, French and was holding my hand and telling me about all these amazing like old French like sexual novels that he'd read. Oh my gosh, like, so good. Oh, it was so interesting to be listening to the conversation. Oh, <laughs> yes. I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> I know, but literally all the waitresses were coming over and being like, "Oh, and what about that one?" <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? I love that. Oh, no, it's so good. Um, this one is so easy for me. If you were prime minister for a week, what laws would you pass? Um, sex education, like yeah, out there, so. you know, inclusive. We have won some battles to get to that point, but it has to be inclusive, including all sexualities, identities, um, the idea of including consent and relationships mm. and pleasure. And it has to start young. You know, we should be adopting the kind of Dutch approach of talking to kids about sex from a really young age and it not being a big deal. You know, yeah. We talk to them about brushing their teeth. Yeah. We can talk to them about consent from a really yeah. young age. Um, so that is a really easy one for me Definitely. to answer. We talk about that a lot, you know. It's a huge part of what we want to be doing more and more of as we grow as a company because, you know, it starts young and we need to normalise that conversation. Like, it just, yeah, we're very passionate about that too. Yeah. Agreed. We're working with... Um, a really cool company called Sexplain. Yeah, I and love Sexplain. Yeah. So they're so just cool. revolutionising sex education and they're talking about all the things that you just mentioned, like consent, pleasure, inclusivity. And when we found out their mission, we were like, we would love to work with you because they're just going into schools and completely like changing the conversation and giving kids, you know, empowering them to ask the questions they yeah. want to answer yeah. or want to ask rather. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important because as adults, we, you know have a responsibility to younger people who ask us about sex not to kind of be like ah yeah and so if we immediately kind of tense up and our face says it all and we're like I can't talk about this the next thing they're going to do is think oh I wasn't meant to ask that or I can't talk about this and they will never ask anyone again they will go to Dr Google who will answer their questions and that's not always the best way to get those answers so you know there is 
sex education for kids is hugely important, but we also need to be educating parents. It's yeah. massive. Yeah, well, there were some questions. Was it Sexplain that sent questions to us and Emma had to, was going through these questions? It was another company. So part of my job is to really find these companies that, you know, are aligned with us but are also pushing the boundaries like as a startup you know we don't have a lot of financial capital but we can support with product and information because Sarah's gynecology doctor so you know one of the companies like yeah we definitely want to work with you and I was like great they sent me this list of questions um and some of these questions I just it took me a really long time to answer because we're, we're not we're not yeah, equipped culturally to answer like, them. Yeah. exactly and I just thought okay if it was my child what would I say to them and I think the big thing is not lying or twisting the truth or sugarcoating it just giving it to them in layman's terms that that mm. child can understand mm-hmm. but the best way to respond is factually exactly is, you yeah. know don't give children the incorrect information you know use the right terms use the yeah. right words it's you know, yeah but again we have to be able to we have to be given the confidence to be able to do that yeah yeah, well, thanks so much for coming in today, Kate. It has me. been really <laughs> eye-opening. I feel like yeah, it's been I want to hang wonderful. out with you more. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if our listeners want to hear more from you or they want to follow you, where can they find you? Um, so if you want to know more about kind of psychosexual relationship therapy, there is a BBC series actually that we have done which is on bbc3 so bbc iplayer which is called sex on the couch so there are four therapists and real life couples having sex and relationships therapy on tv which is incredibly brave um but really they just personify you know so many people that we're working with and having these conversations with um i'm on twitter at kate moyle psych and on instagram at kate moyle therapy Amazing. I'll definitely be watching that show. It sounds yeah. great. Can't wait. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in, lovely listeners. Stay sweet. Speak soon. <laughs>